Hello and welcome to the Right for Your Life podcast. I'm joined as ever by Donna Sorensen. Hello, Donna. Hello. I'm in a better mood this week. Oh, thank goodness. I felt bad last week. What, for me or just in general? Um, for me, really. I just felt bad for me for being in a bad mood. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. About you again. Immediately. It's about you again. No, I, um, I, felt, I felt bad for two reasons. One, that um, I'd been a bit grumpy, both pre-conversation and actual conversation recorded. Um, I felt like I'd been rude to you at least six times. Um, and I think I was taking liberties with the fact that we are related and uh, <laughs> you're joking aren't you seriously oh you shouldn't worry about that kind of thing like you know i'm sure i've been worse to you haven't i well, probably at some point in yeah. the past yes almost definitely yeah but um anyway we're here again yeah and um oh can you hear that beeping can you hear that what is it it was the uh, the baby monitor i don't know what it means i think it means that they're making plans <laughs> or, I, or I need to go and um, uh, uh, put this uh, the baby monitor into its cradle. Uh, oh, did you hear that? Did you hear it again? I did, I did. Intriguing. Sounds exciting. I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to do it on air. It's about four yards away from me, so you need to fill with what we're going to talk about. Righty-ho, I can do it, I can do it. Um, so, this week, we are going to be talking about different routes uh, into being published. I don't even know whether that's a sentence. It didn't sound like it, but... Um, uh, we're going to present two or three different ways that we found out about, one of which um, is uh, over in Ireland. When I used to work at the Irish Writers' Centre, we started something called the Novel Fair. We'll be talking about that because it's quite interesting. Um, and Ian's got some other bits and bobs to talk about with regards to um, an upcoming event he's doing at the Wilderness Festival because he gets to go and do nice things like that. I'm back. Oh, good. Um, uh, I heard you say Wilderness Festival. Second topic, that's true. So I'm on yeah. a panel this weekend at the Wilderness Festival. It's quite a big deal. We'll talk about this later, but it feels like quite a big deal to me. So um, we're going to talk about um, how I'm going to prepare for that. But it's the idea that I'm on a panel to talk about um, mental health in fiction. And um, it's not something I feel like I'm a particular expert on, um, but I don't necessarily, at least I hope, that that doesn't matter uh, too much. <laughs> Yeah. I bet paying punters hope as well. Indeed. <laughs> um, great. And then last week I had said to you, I really want to talk to you about historical fiction. Do you remember when I said that? I do remember that. When you said it, I thought, good Lord, I know nothing about historical fiction. Oh, I know. Well, I just had this this ridiculous kind of light bulb moment where I was like, oh my God, the, the responsibility of writing historical fiction must be enormous. Because people like me sit and read a book uh, with real people in fictional situations or, you know, fictionalising real situations. And that's their opinion and their idea of how everything has happened is based on that. And that is a massive responsibility. So anyway, I don't know whether we should talk about it, though, Ian, because it's like a massive subject. Well, what we could do is get an expert in. We could actually if, if decide it's going to be a talk, because I've, I've never talked about historical fiction on the podcast before, because I, like you, I felt like I would be straying into an area where I basically didn't know what I was doing. So um, maybe we can arrange to have a guest who knows what they're doing. That would be nice, and I'll be finished Wolf Hall by then, because th this all started because I, Thomas Cromwell the, the, in Wolf Hall, I was like... Wow, what a, what a man, what a man. But, I mean, he might not have been anything like that. I have, I'm terrible. I didn't study history after the age of 14, so I'm, I'm complete Ugh. with regards to all that. So I just was wondering, um, yeah. 
what kind of things people thought about it because I think it's very interesting. Right, well, we'll get so we'll get a guest on. That's what we'll do. Sounds like oh, we'll do. awesome. Okay. Um, f- finally, before we actually start talking about things we're going to talk about properly, um, <laughs> I asked if there were any any on Twitter. I asked if there were any uh, last minute suggestions, and Linus Edwards at Linus Edwards very kindly suggested. Um, how are you? And I guess he means me because. Well, he definitely does, because he replied to me. How are you logistically going about writing your novel? So this is the new novel I'm working on. Um, outlining, writing out of order, character sketches, etc. And um, I, it's probably a bit too big a subject to go into with all the other stuff as well. And I need to think about it a bit more. But I do think it's quite interesting, because it's changed so much. So I think people assume that once you've written one book, then you'll have to write the second one in the same way and the third one. I've certainly been thinking that, but I've come to realise that it's going to be impossible for a number of reasons. So I am actually writing in a different way and doing things in an interesting way, I think. So we'll talk about that in the future too. Good. I'd like to talk about it too, because as a poet, I, ha- I have had ideas for novels in the past and I've got lost in the, in the prep phase, which just got way out of hand and I never wrote anything. Yes. Well, that's, that's actually interesting because that's kind of been my experience. I've been almost scared to start doing the actual work. Yeah. Yeah, good. Well, maybe next week we could talk about that. Maybe. Maybe indeed. Good. So, um... The Novel Fair at the Irish Writers' Centre. Tell us all about it. So this is a fantastic opportunity for all you listeners. Is that right? It is. Well, it's just, I mean, it is in Ireland, but it's open to international um, writers. I just think it's, it's really interesting just to mention it quickly because um, I was working at the Irish Writers' Centre a few years ago and this was all being discussed at the time I was there. It was not my idea. It was somebody else's fantastic idea. And since um, I left, they've set it up and they've been doing it for now for, I think this is going to be the third year. Um, But it's just a great idea. Uh, It's basically like speed dating for unpublished authors. And what they do is they set up, you have your own little table and, um, uh, well, actually, I should go back a stage. First of all, you have to send in your manuscript, your unpublished novel. And um, you, if you're lucky, you'll get selected to present this manuscript to uh, representatives from the publishing industry. Um, and they've had all all the big publishing houses in Ireland came to the Novel Fair last time. So there were people from Penguin and Hachette and literary agents. And it was very exciting. I think there were about 20 20 of them represented, which is absolutely fantastic. What you do is you have your own little table um, and you present them with your synopsis, your manuscript, blah, 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 and uh, biographical information. But the idea is that there's more to um, to being a, a, a successful author, a successfully published author, than just the words on the page. The fact that, you know, the publishing company is also investing in you as, you know, as a person and as a as a someone that they're going to publicize and somebody they're going to work with in many different ways um, during the course of the of the book's life and that this is a chance for them to get to see what a great person you are too which i think is a really interesting idea it is a really interesting idea and more and more um, um organizations particularly publishers and also uh, literary agencies are doing this kind of innovative um, project if you like or, or, or just way of doing things that is different because you know they realise that the industry has changed and they need to find new ways of finding authors, new ways of publishing authors and um, and, and I, I think it can only be applauded, I think it's a really positive thing I mean that sounds like the opposite of what people traditionally expect to be um, the, the, the route to publication I suppose, the idea that you can just turn up somewhere, speak to someone from Hatchet, as I called it for many years, um, and um, and uh, and present them your manuscript and chat about it is you know to get that kind of opportunity 
for mm. for decades and decades was you know it was like gold dust it was like physical would be physical gold dust yeah. um so that's fantastic and um and so if you give us a bit more details i'm going to i'm going to give you two more examples of of uh, innovative ways of doing things but um if you uh could you tell mm. us how, how if you want to get involved in that can you tell us how to please yeah yeah sure so um you can go onto the irish writers center website which is writerscenter.ie um, and I think they've also set up a Twitter account, which is at IWC Novel Fair. Um, and if you do send your, your manuscripts in and get involved, you've got a really good chance here because um, they've been doing it for two years and three people have had novels accepted for publication and have had them published already, which I think is a fantastic ratio. That is an absolutely brilliant ratio. <laughs> God, I thought you'd come then. You know, no, impressed no. my ratio. I was so impressed with your ratio. I went quiet for a couple of seconds. <laughs> um, so that's great. And you know, for publishers, it's funny because when when they were first talking about doing it, you know, we weren't sure whether the big publishers would want to come along or whatever, want to be involved. But imagine for them, this is this is like people, another organisation actually basically going through their slush pile for them. Yeah, yeah. What's not to love about it for for the publishers? You know. Absolutely, and if you are uh, if you are in the area or prepared to travel, then that sounds like something that you should definitely go to. Totally, yeah. I mean, you know, get a cheap Ryanair flight over if you're lucky enough to get shortlisted and invited to go and take part. And um, you know, if they're published in Ireland, they'll be sold in the UK as well. So it's, yeah, it's just great. Disco. Uh, the two the two other examples I wanted to refer to are I mentioned because they are the two organisations I've been involved with the most since being a published writer. So the first one is the Luke Bitmead Bursary for New Writers, which is by uh, Legend Press, who published my novel. I didn't get published by this method. However, um, this is the third or fourth year and uh, of doing it, maybe more, I'm not sure. And the top prize is a publishing contract with Legend Press, so you get your novel published and £2,500 cash bursary, which ain't too bad. No, Nice. The one problem we have here is that the deadline for this year was the 2nd of August, which was just a few days ago. <laughs> it's like, oh. It's, and now... Oh. And everyone's that, just going to be like furiously going, yeah, yeah, send, send, send. And then, oh. Well, no. if you follow me on Twitter, I have been retweeting it every time that Legend have posted about it. I have been kind of doing my bit to let people know on Twitter. But it's true I haven't mentioned it on the podcast before. And yes, I am a little bit late. In fact... That uh, two or three second pause earlier on, that was me bringing it up on, <laughs> bringing it up on screen <laughs> and realising. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. All becomes clear. Hey, well, listen, you know what? Sometimes it takes a long time to prepare for these things. And you know what? A bit, a bit of more time to prepare is probably a good thing, isn't it? Exactly. They'll do it again next year. And something else. The other one that's passed, not so recently, but a few months ago, is the Page Turner Prize, which was by Tibor Jones, which is who my agent initially uh, worked for. Um, again, if you've been following me for a few years, you'll know. Um, but Sophie Lambert is my agent. She's previously worked at Tibor Jones, and they had this uh, a similar sort of thing where you can where the prize is. I think it, it's it's uh, representation. So if you won the Page Turner Prize, you don't have to pay to enter. Then um, you will be represented by uh, Sophie. And um, and um, Nathan Filer, who's been on the podcast before, wonderful writer, brilliant. I've men- I seem to mention this every week, don't I? The Shock of the Fall. I'm going to mention him again later because I'm on this mental health panel with, it, with him. Um, but yeah, he, he, he was runner-up, I believe, of the Page Turner Prize. And um, he was taken on anyway because they liked his book so much. And he eventually sold The Shock of the Fall in an 11-way auction between lots of publishers. Amazing. So these are... yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah 
pretty amazing. Um, yeah, but it's good to say though that you know it's not just the winners of these things, but that if you are involved, you're also getting your you know your stuff seen, and people could you know take on a few actually uh, of the entrance rather than just like a winner. Well, if you want to win it, what have you got to be? Clever. In it. In it. It, it was in it. I said it. <laughs> well, you said it a bit later, and kind of after I said it. Oh. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, yeah, that's all exciting. Um, it is, yeah. So get scribbling and sending and stuff. Get scribbling and try and... There are lots of other ones. I think Curtis Brown, who um, or everyone I would imagine will have heard of, I think they do something similar. There are, there are lots of new schemes like this, which are either prizes where the where it's kind of... It isn't a shortcut to publication or representation, but it's definitely an alternative way and potentially mm. a quicker way. It's certainly in the case of the Irish Writers' Centre thing. Totally. Well, do you know any other kind of, of that kind where it's like speed dating where you get to go and actually meet them as well? No, I don't. I, I don't. That's good. Good. Cool. So, this weekend, I am... In the wilderness. Uh, yes, I'm going to be in the wilderness. I am going with uh, my wife and Seth and Jasper. We've got a little trolley for them, which they may fall out of, but fingers crossed they don't. And we're going to the Wilderness Festival because I'm speaking and reading from Ace Frangelica, uh, but speaking on a panel alongside Nathan Filer, who I've just mentioned, and Martin Bannister, whose novel um, A Map of Nowhere I am significantly into, and it's very good, um, and um, and he is also published by Legend Press. Um, Nathan isn't. He's published by, I believe, HarperCollins. Um, but um, the, the interesting thing about it is we were all kind of put together, and then it was kind of wanted to try and find a theme to, you know, kind of wrap the whole session up in a, in a theme of some sort. And it was decided that mental health would be the theme. And the reason for that is that all of our novels, yes, are about illness in, in one way or another. But um, Martin's and, uh, and Nathan's novels are both specifically about mental illness. And, um, and, not only that, but they both worked in mental health, and Nathan still works in mental health, and um, and so it made sense. But I was quite aware when these dis- discussions were going on that I was kind of like, well, not really had much of a career in mental health, and by not really, I mean none whatsoever. <laughs> um, and of course, my book, Hayes for Angelica, is not strictly about mental health. It's actually about um, um, stroke and and um, and recovering from a stroke. So there is. It, it isn't quite about mental health, but it, it is kind of all right, I think, because um, it is the novel is really about the deterioration of um, Gordon Kingdom's mental health as his wife is struggling with her physical health. So there is, I think, I'm going to be okay. But the idea of having to almost appear to be an expert on something and talk about it in front of you know a reasonable amount of people with some intelligence is actually quite a terrifying thing. And it, yeah. be- it begs the question, do you have to be an expert in something if you want to write about it? Totally. And also the idea that like reading, reading your stuff that you've written is, is actually quite, um, well, it's not easy, but it's, it's actually liberating because it's something that you believe in and that you know about and you can stand up and you can do it without any worries. Do you know what I mean? About like people saying, oh, do you really know what you're talking about there? Whereas talking about something is a whole different ballgame, like in speeches. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, you have to be prepared. 
And, and if it's a session that's specifically, you know, the title of the session is um, Method in Madness, um, it's quite clearly that's what the subject matter is going to be about. I mean, and, but I mean, it's a good thing. You're right, it is, it is daunting. But one of the things that I've been surprised by a little, or maybe I shouldn't be that surprised, but um, how much I've actually, what, like you say, how, how difficult I found talking about my book or how different I found it um, as opposed to just reading from it over yeah. the last year, but also um, how much I've enjoyed it. It's um, uh, it's been great, especially talking to people who have actually read it. That's just been a really bizarre but really interesting experience. Totally and fantastic in terms of preparing for your next novel. Like the what the feedback that you can get and the way that people engage with your writing that you have maybe haven't thought about in advance. You know that's really useful. Um, I was wondering, do you think everyone that listens to this podcast has read your book? <laughs> no, because <laughs> I want to. I want to say a spoiler. Um, okay. Do you know what though? I was thinking about this recently, and this is not every, this is not the biggest podcast in the world, but it has a reasonable audience. It has, I think, most people would say it's probably a good audience, better than you. You know, it's the best been, audience I've ever had. It's the best audience I've ever had too. You're, you're wonderful. We love you tremendously. <laughs> um, but um, if every single person did buy my novel, uh, it would it would make an the kind of difference that is quite hard to describe. A Robert Gilbraith difference? Not quite that much. No. Well, there you go. At least we can quantify it now. But it's true, though. I mean, of course, I listen to lots of podcasts, and I don't buy, I don't buy the products of the. I mean, I do sometimes if I want them and I like them. You're but going to I, buy my book, aren't you? I might buy your book, but then. <laughs> but can I can I say this thing? I'm just wondering because yeah, it's it's something to do with mental health. Go for about it. Your book, but then I I think it's a spoiler, and I don't want to. I don't want to ruin things for people. Um, would um, is it about? It's about is it? Don. To do, it's about what? Don. Um. Well, the book's been out a year. Go for it. Oh no, I can't. I can't do it. I feel like I know the characters in your book. You know, like personally, I wouldn't do it to Don. But anyway, um, you know, you know, you know what happens to Don in the book, don't you, Ian? I've got a pretty good idea. Yeah. Yeah, that you could talk about that because that is. Uh, that's related. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, it's just something for you to think about, I guess, rather than anyone else. <laughs> let's um, talk about, let's go on. Um, can you, did you say, that? can you talk about what you don't know about? Is that what you said? Or can you write about what no, you No, my question is, do you have to be an expert in something if you want, uh, in order to write about it? Good grief. Well, you wrote a, a, a book about strokes, so you're not an expert in that, are you? I'm not an expert in that. And one of the things that I've been asked quite a lot since it came out is um not just asked but a lot of people has, have assumed but um i've been asked whether i've had a member of my own family who's had a stroke and whether that was what made me want to write about it and i've also had quite a lot of people say that it's an unusual topic for someone so young to write about yeah. um which i guess is true um but i haven't had um, um anyone in my family have a have a stroke um thankfully and um, it was the reason I the reason I started um, writing it was because well actually I got to ten thousand words before I even um, uh, knew what was going to be wrong. I knew that there would be a character who had an illness, but I didn't know what it would be at that point. Well, and that's then, interesting. Mm, and then um, and then I saw uh, I went to the pub after work when I was about I, I would have been about twenty four years old, um, and on the table next to me. Um, uh, a woman had a stroke just on the table to sign the book. No. She wasn't especially old. She was about, I would guess, about 
fifty something. Oh. And um, and and the ambulance came and uh, kind of took her away. I mean, I obviously got no idea what happened to her after that, but it left a huge impression on me. But what what left the biggest impression on me was the reaction of everyone else, which was fairly minimal. <laughs> really. Well, what life just went on around her, like I, it was as I seem to remember, even even the table that I was on, I think everyone kind of looked around, and um, and um, and sort of had a sort of a look, for want of a better phrase, and then kind of just turned back and we carried on. But I was sat in a position where I was basically that was I was just done for. I just was staring and kind of just trying to trying to process what was happening in front of me. I mean, the ambulance came quite quickly and it was all over really quickly. But even her own table, even the people that she was with, stayed. As far no as I, way! Yeah. As far as I could count, I don't think that anyone went with her, so I don't know how well they knew her. Presumably they weren't family. It might be in a similar situation, just, um, you know, after work, drinks type of thing. Um, Do you think this is a very British thing? But possibly, uh, possibly, but there was there, there was something about it, I mean, and my, my novel has been called very British in in some ways. Um, but, but but yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. Just to kind of um, you know buckle up and carry on, kind of thing. Because I, I have a, a friend that told me that they were in a, a restaurant up in a really remote Scottish island. I can't remember which one it was, and there weren't that many people in there. And one of the other um, patrons of the restaurant started choking seriously on their food to the point where they'd were virtually unconscious on the floor and blue in the face and nobody was really doing anything. And her boyfriend just went over because nobody from their party was doing anything and did the the Heimlich manoeuvre and actually saved her and the food came all out of the side of her mouth and everything. And then they took her off upstairs and, and Anna said that it was really weird afterwards that people just kind of carried on as if nothing had happened there as well. And, and like that Michael had just done this amazing thing and like just saved someone's life. And it was just like, oh, well, everyone just kind of carried on with their dinner. Yeah, I mean, it, it does sound quite British, doesn't it, really? It, it's, uh... <laughs> it does. It totally does. But people do that in life, though, I guess. And that's that's also what your novel is really about, isn't it? People just trying to carry on. And Yeah, it's, it is, I guess so. But, I mean, the, to, to answer my own question, I suppose, I I didn't have – there was no one that I knew. I wasn't, I wasn't an expert in in stroke. I wasn't an expert – in illness, I'm still not an expert in those things, um, but I did a sufficient amount of research that made me able to write a novel or write specific scenes that were both plausible and had integrity. and And, and that's that's the main thing, really. You have to do your research. But secondly, I think, especially if it's around a sensitive subject like you know illness and that kind of thing. Um, is have someone who is an expert to to check it. So I sent yeah. a very early draft to um, uh, one of the leading speech therapists in Sheffield University, um, a sort of doctor, presumably Ruth Herbert, and she read it through and she made some suggestions, but generally said that I wasn't far off, um, and and that gave me the confidence to know that I wasn't. I I, I don't want to have to put the explicit. Uh, um, label on this podcast episode but taking the piss because that's what I feel like I would have been if I hadn't have done the research and I just well you know I'll make you up who knows what it's like to have a stroke or look after someone who's had a stroke I'm sure it'll be okay it's, it's just fiction then I would yeah, but don't you think I mean that's that's another big thing that novel wouldn't have been published if you'd done that anyway like people are I guess it's not just the 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 author that has a vested interest in you know well making sure that 
integrity, I guess that's what it's about, isn't it? But, you know, somebody's not just going to publish something that's, you know, slapped together quickly and doesn't take things into consideration, you know. Well, no, you would hope you would hope not, but um, but but you never know. But it's all it's also uh, doing that kind of thing is a good qualifier when you're sending your manuscript to an agent or or, or or an agent to a publisher is to mention that. So in my cover letter, which you know wasn't necessarily the best cover letter in the world, but I did make a point of saying at the bottom that um, I'd had the novel checked for kind of medical accuracy or whatever the term I used was by yeah. a professional. Mm-hmm. So um so yes I'm doing this I'm doing this talk I'm looking forward to it I will, I will report back it feels like a bit of a big deal it feels like um you know as I've said before I've done a, f- a few events this year but because the boys came along it's not been quite the year of marketing and promotion that it perhaps would have been um however this is feels like you know it's been almost a, a year to the day more or less and um it's going to be kind of a, 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 a wilderness festival you know it's a big festival it doesn't mean that there's going to be a huge audience for us hopefully there will be but yeah it'd be great it feels like a, a milestone i'm slightly panicked that i'm no expert in mental health but i think it will be all right no but these you know i mean that you it's great to be on a panel i think in these situations isn't it where people are batting ideas between you know backwards and forwards it'd be great and you know if all else fails Ian, you can just uh use my backup plan that i tweeted you about which i didn't necessarily get <laughs> that you could just pretend that you thought that you were talking about mental a mental elf like a hobbit like Will Ferrell in the film, just do a you know a slideshow of elf pictures or something. Yeah, Honestly, I think this is a great backup plan. It's a great backup plan. I don't know how politically correct it is, but it's quite a good plan. <laughs> well, no, I think yes, probably the best idea is to make sure that uh, the the paying customers get their money's worth and have a really thoroughly interesting discussion about mental health in fiction. <laughs> Indeed, that's what I'm aiming for. Good. Okay, finally, our last topic. It goes quickly, doesn't it? It does. Maybe not to listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Choosing names. So we had a very brief, I think it was on Twitter, discussion earlier on, extremely brief, two or three tweets. Um, um, and you said, um, uh, and this wasn't to me, it was me that replied, um, because someone had to. Um, <laughs> you, <laughs> you said that um, you hadn't, you suddenly just looked at your own name and just... Well, you tell the story. Well, I just, I know that this has happened to some people, although when I tweeted it, people might have been like, no, I don't think that's happened to me. Maybe I didn't write it down in a way that was immediately, obviously, what I was talking about. See, even now, explaining it, I'm I'm not even making sense. Anyway, you know when you look at a word and all of a sudden the word looks different to how you'd seen it before. So maybe you just hadn't really noticed the word before. But then you start to notice it, and you notice the way the letters are put together, and it looks really weird. All of a sudden, it looks like a completely different word, and it's very confusing. I had that with my own name this week, and it was very unsettling because it was my name. And I just suddenly thought, actually, when I tell people this is my name, and they they hear these words together like that, they might have a different reaction or a different impression of my name than I do when I say it and it was just a really weird realization and I wondered yeah whether other people had experienced that before and you said you had with the offs words like yes. though and, and yeah through um, I guess is also a word it's if you say certain words um repeatedly for whatever reason they just suddenly be after a while and not that long they become absurd you just think that's that's a word that we say all the time and it's ludicrous why would i 
Why would, yeah. I, why would that be an actual word? Um, but I have had that with my name. And I was talking about it recently to someone um, because I don't... When, when I think of um, Ian, for example, I think of Ian Rush, who used to play up front for Liverpool, or I think of... <laughs> with a big nose. With the big nose and the moustache. <laughs> or I think of Ian McKellen. It's like, I don't think, well, my name's Ian. I don't have... I don't, I don't identify myself with, with Ian. And when I think of Ian's, I, I, I guess I have a... Uh, uh, you know, you think of... I apologise to anyone who is called these things, but you think of um, uh, maybe a, a, a Gary and you think of a certain type of person. You think of like a uh, maybe um, um, a, um, a Sebastian and a certain kind of person. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. This is very offensive. <laughs> but what, you, what, what kind of name do you think you are? Like, who are you? What kind of person are you? Well, I think I'm more of a kind of... Um... Darren? <laughs> what a gospel. Anyway. Um, I don't. I don't know. I hadn't gone that far, no. but but um, but when I think of uh, Donna, I automatically think of you. But as we said before, we started talking in a recorded fashion. You don't think of when you, you you you're the same as me. You don't think Donna, and I guess I presume we know each other well enough now that when you when someone says Ian, you presumably think of me. But um, I don't think of myself in that way at all. I just think this people there's so much what I'm saying is there's so much identity brought to a person by their name yeah. but if it's you you don't really you, you you know I I think of myself as as you know just this creative wonderful mind I don't think Ian <laughs> no but I have thought a lot about my name because I'm one of many siblings and my parents seem to go for classical uh, names and saintly names and you know Bronte names for all my other siblings and then they called me Donna and I, I just it's madness what were they thinking I know Donna Summer was popular at the time but anyway <laughs> in terms of naming characters yes books, how easy was it for you to pick your names well this is this is kind of what, what this conversation led me on to because I thought well actually when I was naming people for the book um I it, I, I was really choosy about it like they you know they meant quite a lot so and and some of what i'm going to say now is going to make me sound like a giant ponce but for example the lead character gordon kingdom i spent ages thinking about what his name would be yeah. I, I thought about the rhythm so so the rhythm of of gordon and how would how that would fit with certain key sentences that i knew were important um and tried other names and that kind of thing and then Kingdom, of course, he's the bloke who, who kind of makes notes on everyone on his streets and he kind of feels like he's in some way in charge of the streets. And, and you know, to him, it is his kingdom. And uh, that was why I chose his name. I mean, no one would necessarily... It's not important in the slightest and no one would particularly take any notice. But it goes back to what I was talking about, I believe, with Manuela couple of episodes ago when you're on holiday it's um is is that idea do people actually notice yeah read into the smaller things yeah the, the subtle clues yeah. yes exactly and then I a lot listen to it i listen to it and i forgot to say thanks to manuela thank you manuela <laughs> and the, the other thing i did was loads of the characters are um are names or bastardized versions of friends names that's nice. Including you. I think you're in there somewhere, aren't you? I am. I think I was a checkout person in a supermarket. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. No problem. <laughs> no, I did appreciate it. I got very excited when I read it. It's great. <laughs> but, 
but it, um, but yeah, we, we we put an awful lot of thought into to the, to the naming of characters. But I mean, have you do you have many characters in in your poetry? No, but before I was writing poetry, I, I wrote many a, a children's picture book, none of which were ever published. And you know what? I was looking at some of them again this week. One in particular I love, and I just i am so sad that it never got published. Um, but um, looking back at those old manuscripts, I realised that um, I'm quite glad that a lot of them, well, I'm quite glad that they didn't get published because I seem to have written the name Ivy for all of my little girl characters in my picture books. And that was actually because it was my favourite name. And now my daughter is called Ivy. If I... If they'd been published, I don't know whether I would have called her Ivy. And she's always meant to be an Ivy, she was, you know? I, I, absolutely, yes, is it. You, you attach so much meaning to uh, to a name once you've, you know, given it to uh, someone or once you know someone. Totally. You know, um, it's just, and, you know, my, my grandfather was called Harry. And I, I always thought what a cool name that was because, you know, back then I don't know how many people called Harry. Um, and, oh, I'd love to have a kid called Harry. And then look what Plum and Robert Gilbraith did. <laughs> I don't even know if you, is it is the lead character called Harry. <laughs> you joking? Are you joking? Oh, sorry. You're okay. Fine. You're talking about Harry Potter. I am. Yeah. I just got um, that. So there, there must be trillions of little boys in the world now called Harry, don't you think? Probably, and Ron and uh, Hermione. Yeah, Hermione, as I thought she was to start with. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Hermione. Look, here comes Hermione. <laughs> so they say in Somerset, where I be from. Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's um, it's a nice way to personalise something. If you know, in a fictional world, to put a bit of yourself or your, your people you know or p- things from your past into a book, isn't it? Also with locations or you know, little like you said, all those little subtle clues. Mm, and I'm currently doing all this again now with the new novel. I'm I, I'm I'm creating character sketches and 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 that kind of thing and one of the characters is going to be german imagine that and um so i was on wikipedia last night because so, because i'm not an expert in german names and um and wikipedia uh, is where you go to become an expert exactly and um <laughs> and um and and I, I i i was going through a list of german names and i was looking for one that was it was about not rhythm Gunther. It was about rhythm, so this person I think is probably going to be a teacher, I've not completely decided. So they're going to be referred to as Mr. Something. So I just thought I was looking for, for I went straight to the M, so it could be Mr. M, Mr. Something. Um, and is there it are, not be hair? Is that nice? I don't know, maybe. Well, he, li- he, li- he lives, in, uh, he, he lives in, um, in, in England and teaches German in England. Ah, okay, yeah, got. Danke. <laughs> yeah, got. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just speaking Danish now. You know, like, it, it, this is a good trick for speaking French. If you don't know a French word, just say the English word with a French accent and it normally is right. I mean, if 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 we needed some good advice to end this podcast on, I think that must be it. Good, yeah. Try it with infiltration. I'm telling you, that is the French word. Anyway, we'll have go to on, get... try it. Just try and say that with a French accent. Infiltration? Yeah. <laughs> infiltration. <laughs> Infiltration. That's right. <laughs> Good. Anyway, that's that's. Oh, people will be so glad that we're here to help them with these things. <laughs> they will be. They will be. Right. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at the moment, on Twitter, Don underscore S underscore Sorensen. I am, as I have mentioned every time, setting up a website. I've now chosen a WordPress theme, which is very exciting, isn't it? I'm excited. So that'll be coming soon. 
And I'll do an author page on Facebook. Yeah, well, I was, again, this is a discussion for another time, but um, I'm going to sneeze. One second. <laughs> <sighs> um, I was going to say, I don't know how much we can get out of that as a conversation for next time. <laughs> um, and uh, whether authors need a, a blog and a website at all now, whether they could just get by on a really well-managed, well-presented, well well-thought-out Facebook page. And I think that you probably could. But, uh, oh, cool. Let's talk about that next week, shall we? Well, maybe we will. Right then. Um, I am at Ian Broom on Twitter, I-A-I-N-B-R-O-O-M-E. And if you want to go and find all sorts of writing advice, nonsense, all that kind of thing, there's lots of stuff on my website, ianbroom.com. And um, and you can find previous episodes of the podcast on ianbroom.com slash podcast or on 70 decibels. Um, and we will be moving to 5x5 five five in the near future, um, which uh, some of you know. And uh, that's it. Thanks for joining me again, Donna. Thank you. Or maybe I joined you. Maybe I did. Maybe that's... Is that offensive to say thanks for joining me when it's this is a joint effort? Thanks for, thanks for equally taking part in the podcast with me. Thanks for being an equal part of this podcast. That'll do. <laughs> we'll work on that as well for next week. Marvellous. Cool. See you. I'll see you next week. Bye. Ta-da.